Welcome to the Overnight Trainer Podcast, where each week we talk about all things related to the world of learning and development, including facilitation, instructional design, sales enablement, and so much more. I'm your host, Sarah Canistra, and I'm an L&D strategist and career coach, and I'm here to take the guesswork out of becoming an L&D professional and show you how to unlock continued success in your learning and development career. I'm on a mission to quickly develop the next generation of L&D leaders who are looking to create meaningful and engaging learning experiences. So, if you're looking to transition into L&D for the first time, have found yourself accidentally in a training position, or are working up the ranks as an L&D professional already, you've come to the right place. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Overnight Trainer Podcast. We had a little bit of an impromptu, uh, unplanned break last week. I just couldn't get my shit together to get an episode out for y'all. I tried recording one. Oh my gosh, I was trying for so hard to record this one episode and like the doorbell was ringing and the dogs were barking and like all the things were happening and I was like, it doesn't seem like it's meant for me to have a podcast episode this week. So we are back. I'm recording a couple right now actually, so we'll have some really great episodes coming out for you. Uh, Really, you know, a couple different topics, but we're really going to be focusing on how to laser in, um, especially for those of you who are looking to land your L&D role and be in it in the new year. Uh, It's not too late to start. Now is actually a perfect time to start doing that. And so uh, you'll see some uh, podcast episodes, some content related to that coming up soon as well. I also, if you're listening to this when this comes out, which is going to be Tuesday, October 18th, tonight there is a free masterclass. So I'm trying to offer free masterclasses every like couple months. So that way I give you all an opportunity beyond the podcast to to spend some time with me live. But tonight's masterclass, if you're listening to this when when it comes out, is called, Is L&D the Right Career for You? And lately, a lot of people have been asking me, like, how do I know if L&D is right for me? Or, you know, tell me more about learning and development. And what, what I'm really happy about people asking that question is, I think for a long time, especially early pandemic or even right before that, when people started transitioning into uh, learning and development, really, especially my educator folks who are listening, I felt like a lot of people were transitioning in because they were told they should. Um, and that's the only way out of the classroom, which couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, and now I'm realizing a lot of people are actually pausing and saying, wait, like before I actually make this big giant career leap, is it the right the right decision for me. So tonight's masterclass is, like I said, absolutely free. You can register if you go to theovernighttrainer.com slash events, all the information there to register. If you are listening to this um, after the 18th, after the masterclass has already been uh, done and over with, the replay is available for three days. So as long as you get, you can reach out to me by doing the math, like the 20, let's see, 18, 19, 20, 21, the 21st, uh, you can get access to that replay. So you can DM me on LinkedIn uh, or shoot me an email, hello at theovernighttrainer.com to get access to that replay if you are listening to this um, after the the masterclass has already happened as long as it's before October 21st. So uh, yeah, some other fun things that are going on. Fast Track is doing amazing. So if y'all are looking to to really jump in and get your new L&D role and to land it in the next 90 days, that's the program for you. 
We are having so many wins in there every single week. It's been really awesome. So you can access that information. Uh, you can just DM me for information or go to theovernighttrainer.com slash programs. All right, so let's get into today's episode. I, I've been doing this every like, couple months or so where I've been doing an Ask Me Anything on LinkedIn and then sharing some other responses and diving in a little bit deeper here on the podcast. So some incredible questions came in last week. I'm trying to think, when did I do this? Four days ago, so last Thursday, Friday? Thursday was my uh, fiance had uh, LASIK, and so I was kind of sitting on the couch with him, uh, making sure that he had everything that he needed. So I want to dive into a couple of the questions that got asked, and like I said, do a little bit more of a deep dive into into them as well. So I'm going to kick off with the first question here, which is from Kaylee, and she said, I'm a former teacher aspiring to land in the learning and development world while working at a credit union until then. My question is, where do I start? I know I want to facilitate, so what keywords should I search for while job hunting? What should I do in the meantime to reskill myself from being an elementary teacher to a corporate facilitator? Any advice would be appreciated. Uh, so for those of you that have listened to my podcast for a while, you know what I'm going to say, <laughs> uh, part of what I'm going to say, but first and foremost, uh, the first thing that you should do, anyone who's looking to transition into learning and development, no matter what type of role, is to know your L&D why, right? You should be able to clearly articulate why you want to transition into L&D, why you want to be a facilitator, you know, why, like what it is about you know, the legacy that you want to leave. You know, educators have so many skills that are transferable to so many other fields. So really understanding why L&D. What I'm realizing is that the more that you can articulate why you're choosing L&D, right, the easier it's going to be for someone else to understand, right, and not to not just see that you're running from, but actually see that you're running towards learning and development. So first and foremost, find your why. And then number two, uh, getting clear on the skills you want to utilize in your next role. So for Kaylee, for example, she talked about facilitation. So that's awesome. But I really want you all to clearly define, like, what do you mean when you say, when you pick up a specific skill? So I'll use facilitation as an example. What do you mean by that, right? Do you want to facilitate to small groups? Do you want to facilitate to large groups, one-on-one, on a certain subject? Do you want to be facilitating in person? Do you want to be facilitating virtually? Is there you know, like I said, specific subjects or topics you want to facilitate on? Do you want to develop your own content? Do you want to facilitate someone else's content, right? So just by saying like, oh, I want to facilitate or oh, I want to design learning, right? All of those things are great and it's important that you're understanding that, but then really being able to ask yourself, well, what do I mean by that? What What is it I actually want to do with that skill, right? So facilitation is a skill, but what you do with it, right, becomes your job. So getting really clear on what it is you want to utilize your role in your next role and the interests that you have as well. And then lastly, like I said, finding your niche. So those of you who have been listening for a while, you know I'm going to say that, you know, that intersection between the transferable skills, interests, and values. So that's amazing, you know, on knowing, hey, I know that I want to be a corporate facilitator. Uh, But corporate facilitator, again, that can look like so many different things in so many different organizations. So what what does corporate facilitator mean to you? Um, And rather than trying to box yourself into a specific title, being able to figure out what your niche is, create that own box for yourself. And on top of that, it's figuring out what is the right company look like that I'm going to be doing that corporate facilitation in uh, and utilizing those skills in too. So being able to define that. From there, once you do that, and we're talking about upskilling, and I have a couple of podcasts on upskilling as well. But really from there, what you can start to do is look at what are the roles that are popping up in my niche, right? This is why the niche part of it's so important. 
because you're looking at, you know, what roles are popping up for me in my niche? And then you're able to see what's the golden thread, right? What is, what are the, you know, five, six, seven, whatever, 10, however many you want to pull, you know, what are the skills, the capabilities, the responsibilities that I'm seeing, you know, over and over again in these roles that are popping up for me? That's how you can start to figure out where to upskill or reskill. I will say a lot of times, especially those of you who are educators looking to transition into L&D, there's not a lot of reskilling that necessarily needs to happen. I think there's some upskilling. I think there's some, um, you know, language to understand wh- what your skills are are and how they are applicable in the corporate world. I think that's more. It's more that than the actual reskilling piece piece of things. So really, once you're able to identify what your niche is and figure out what are the roles that are popping up in your niche, you can then start to to target what are those areas where I need to self-develop. I didn't want to say upskilling. I really actually don't really love that word. Um, I think people put too much emphasis on it. And again, look at upskilling, reskilling, but really it's that, that self-development piece and where can I, where can I develop uh, myself the most? So great question, Kaylee on that one. All right. So Christina uh, asked a question around starting an L&D business. And this is, it's actually an important question with an important answer, which is why I wanted to go through it a little bit more on the podcast. So uh, she said, my questions are, how did you know when it was time to start your own L&D business? Do you feel it has to start as a one-person show and then expand into an agency? Or can it start as a small agency? So I really, really, really love this question. And so for me, I knew it was time to start my own learning and development business when I was working for a very, very toxic company that my values did not align with. So I kept trying to make change and make progress at the organization on a cultural level, and I kept getting shut down over and over and over again. And I kept saying, like, you know, if I was a CEO, I'd do this. If I was a CEO, I would do that. If I was a CEO, and you know, I was talking to all the C-suite leaders and just really, especially when it came to diversity, equity, and inclusion, just could not get make any progress whatsoever and kept getting shut down. And it wasn't until I realized, wait a minute, like I could be my own CEO. I can run a company aligned with my own values that I realized that was what I needed to be doing. And I had had... Um, I have failed many times in entrepreneurship, so this is uh, the, the failure is uh, you know is is a it, everyone experiences it. So if y'all are thinking that I just like pulled this out of my who knows where and became successful at it, I've had many many failures. Uh, but I never thought entrepreneurship was was for me because I had failed at it a couple times, and then it really was again going back to what I was saying even earlier about understanding your why. You know, it, for me, it was always money motivated um, and I had reasons for doing it. But when I think about my actual why, like what was getting me up in the morning, all the businesses that I started weren't really aligned with what that was. So I realized I could be my own CEO. <laughs> um, and so that's how I started. And that's how I knew it was time to time to leave and um, time to start my own business. So I started my own business and I have a whole podcast episode about it. It's an, an early podcast around how I left my uh, four steps that I used to leave my toxic job. So if you're in a toxic work environment, I highly recommend uh, listening to that. Um, and here's the thing about starting businesses, y'all. Like you can start a business however you want. Uh, similar to how I talk about career career transitioning, right? There's no no magic pill, no silver bullet that is a one size fits all approach. And same thing with business, right? I think a lot of people will say you have to start a certain way, but that's just the way they started. And that's how, what made them successful. So it doesn't matter. For me, I say as long as you can pilot and play a little bit before you go like full in, uh, that's that's usually my my big advice around um, 
around starting your own business. But I've had, I do business coaching as well. And I've had successful business coaching clients who have started solo, uh, worked their way into growing their headcount. I have others who started the agency route and were equally successful. So I think as long as you're open to playing around, to testing out what you like and what you don't like, it's just remembering there's no one like right way to start a business. The only right way to start is to actually start. I think that's where most people go wrong is that they're, they, they have too much fear come up to actually start. So for me, it was new, it was time when I realized I had something I want, something I wanted to give the world, which was helping L&D professionals grow in their career. That's how all of this started. Uh, and that I you know, didn't want to be, I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to create my own culture. I wanted to live by my own values. Uh, and that was the, those, those are the turning points for me. All right. So Chelsea uh, has said, I've taken on a volunteer opportunity to create an entire course on health, health risk assessments to grow my portfolio and help the company train their employees. Any advice for someone on their first big project? Well, first of all, congratulations. It's so exciting. Uh, my biggest advice for people, especially, I mean, this is my advice when you're creating any training, but let alone your first big one, is to make sure that your course, your training, whatever it is, focuses on what will actually move the needle, all of the need to know information, and then create supplemental materials for anything that's nice to know, right? Because your stakeholders are gonna think that everything is need to know, but it really is working closely with your subject matter experts understanding the people that are you're going to be training you know what is it that they actually do need to know to be successful in that and anything that doesn't fall in that category create an opportunity for more supplemental material so if someone actually then wants that information wants to dive further into the content there's an opportunity for them to do that but if someone is limited on time and they really just need the basics of the information to do the job and to do it well then we want to make sure that we're not overloading them I mean, a lot of people, and um, this kind of goes to my second point too, but like a lot of people try to make it too engaging or give way too much information and that actually has the opposite approach or the opposite effect is you're actually disengaging people from it, that you're you're pushing them away from the content, you're boring them with it essentially by adding way too much information. So my other piece of advice is to really make sure that you're focusing on creating content that is useful and pertinent to the challenges that learners are facing rather than making it fun or engaging. So when people are like, oh, I, I want to make it fun, I want to make it engaging, those two words in training just like make me bleh. like I completely like irk at them because and I, I wish I wish engaging wasn't synonymous with fun but in the learning space I feel like it is but really engaging content and you think about it too as you've as you've immersed yourself in content right when are you the most engaged when it's useful to you right when you see the purpose in it when you understand how you're going to apply it Right? So I think, you know, if it's useful, if it solves a problem, learners are going to be engaged regardless. I, I consume so many different types of content. Uh, it doesn't matter to me how engaging or how fun it is, right? It's fun for me or engaging for me when I know that it's actually something I'm going to utilize and that, you know, energizes me to do something better to take action. So really keep in mind, this is for everyone, but especially for those of you that are new to L&D or transitioning into L&D, that you know, all of these sites out there that create this like, quote unquote, engaging training with like gamification and, you know, cartooning and all of that stuff. Like, honestly, I think a lot of it's garbage. I really, really do. Uh, because they're taking the, the they're, they're taking training and turning it into entertainment. And there's nothing I hate more than entertainment because it's focusing on taking learning and making learning fun over making learning purposeful. 
I'm on a soapbox. I will get off now. But so that's really for for everyone, but especially those of you who are who are new. I think there's a lot of emphasis put on like making it pretty, making it fancy, making it fun, and making it quote unquote engaging. But really, it needs to be useful and solve a problem. Okay, James asked one of my most favorite questions. Uh, and I love this term that he has coined, so I have to give him credit for this. But he said, Sarah, what tips do you have in terms of job searchers block? I'm all about figuring out the niche right now to help with the laser focus clarity, but nothing is calling. And I find myself cloudy, confused, and overwhelmed. Looking forward to catching the webinar replay next week. Hey, excited to see you there, James. Uh, and thanks for all you do to empower all of us discerning what the next step is. You are so welcome. Um, and this actually, this response took two comments. Uh, so I do have a lot to say about it. And I do, again, love that term job searchers block. And I know there's so many people who are experiencing it. So first and foremost, if you are feeling cloudy, confused, overwhelmed, any of those low vibe feelings, I definitely encourage you all to step away from the process. Even if it's just for a day, an hour, 10 minutes, go do something, honestly, anything where your mind isn't on the job search. Go for a walk, watch TV, read a book for fun, you know, do 10 jumping jacks. I don't really care, right? Do something that's not related to this at all. And because what happens is a lot of people keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and trying to push through the overwhelm, push through the confusion, push through the cloudiness. And all you get is more overwhelm, more confusion, more cloudiness. Sometimes we need the space, right? The pause. There's so much beauty in the pause and getting clarity in that pause rather than pushing through. And I see this a lot, even with my my clients who are, you know, actively interviewing, applying for roles, things like that, is that they will get overwhelmed or in that burnt out feeling. And rather than honoring it and pausing, they'll push through. Well, it's kind of like pushing through when you're hangry, right? Or making decisions when you're hangry. They're never good, right? Like they're never coming from a good place. You're just like making this like rash decision because you're hungry, uh, you haven't eaten, all those things. And so same thing in that sense of overwhelm. Like you don't want to make, you're not going to make a life decision when you're hangry. Stop making life decisions when you are, you know, in that state of overwhelm. Do what you can to remove yourself from it, even if it's just pausing for five minutes. So, so the next thing to kind of think about is, when you come back with a clear heart, clear mind, and you're still feeling that block, I really encourage you all to connect with people who inspire you in the L&D space and learn more about them and their, and their journey. I think a lot of people, when they're networking, they're networking with the, whether it's conscious or subconscious, with the intention of getting a job, right? How can this person help me get a job? Do they have any openings? Are they going to refer me, right? So again, it's subconscious or for a lot of people it is conscious, right? That you're connecting with with that, I don't want to say ulterior motive, but that kind of like ulterior intention, we'll call it. Uh, but what I want you to do is, if you, especially if you're feeling that kind of job searcher's block, connect with people with the intention of just learning more, right? Learning more about them, their journey, their story, right? Not with any, no other intention other than just learning more about them. And then when you hear their journey, asking yourself if there's any key pieces in their story that stands out that make you excited, you can then start cataloging those after a handful of conversations and start to identify what I call that golden thread, which I talked about earlier in the episode, and start to identify that. And that then will help you kind of I kind of think about it of like after the Big Bang, right? It's like all the pieces are out there and then like gravity is doing its work and like, you know, 
bringing pieces together and like eventually forming a planet. Um, I am no science expert. So those of you who are probably laughing at me, but, (laughs) but really it's like, like, let me get those key pieces and let them start to come together for me again with no other intention than just gathering information. Now, I definitely encourage you to kind of the third step in this process, if you are feeling that job searchers block, is to make sure you're taking really solid inventory of skills and interests that you have that you want to utilize in your next role over job titles. So I think what happens is, you know, people start to get laser focused on certain job titles and then they feel overwhelmed or not a lot of clarity. They're not seeing anything they like anymore, uh, even though they're looking at the same title over and over again. And job titles are trash. They're meaningless in all honesty. So until you're clear on the skills and interests you want to utilize in your next role, the process of finding a job can be really, really overwhelming. So really making sure that you're clear on the skills and interests over the job titles. And lastly, if you are feeling that job searchers, um, that job searchers block, make sure LND is right for you. Right? I've had a lot of people come to me burnt out and confused, really only to find out that it's because traditional LND isn't for them. Right? It could be project management or change management or employee marketing or whatever, a million things. Right? When you're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, of course that would feel overwhelming. Of course that would be, you know, be hard to find clarity in that. So I think making sure, and I know many of you are attending uh, that free masterclass uh, that James is coming to as well, which is going to be tonight if you're listening to it live. So James, I love this question. Thank you so much for helping us coin the phrase job searchers block. We definitely, definitely appreciate you there. All right. I have one more question that I want to answer and dive into on today's podcast. And this is from Jamie. And this is a really, really, really good question and probably the toughest question that I got. So she asked, what's one skill transitioning teachers often bring with them when moving to L&D? and one that they usually need to learn on the job after transitioning. So like I said, this was a really, really tough question to answer because the answer varies from educator to educator. Uh, what I what I will say is that when I look at all my educator clients, I would say the skill of, of tenacity is the one that I see over and over again that they bring into a new role. So if I had to kind of blanket statement categorize the, the tenacity I see in my educator clients is like, on a whole nother freaking level, like that go-getter, the go-getter attitude, the problem solving, right? Like the ability to really do anything and take care of anything that's thrown their way, which I also think for a lot of educators is like an education trauma response because you've had no other way of working for so many years. So that's, you know, it's kind of like the superpower and the curse all, all at the same time. But I, the, the level of tenacity that I've seen from educators is huge. But kind of going back to like, what do I see them like bring with them? I've said this before on the podcast and my clients who are educators know I say this to them. In my coaching programs, I teach you how to write a really incredible resume. To my own horn there for a second. Um, and then I do a resume review, like a full asynchronous resume review. I do a, a whole video review of your resume and give you editing suggestions. Every time I read one of my transitioning teachers' resumes, I... I'm not, I'm not shocked because I'm not shocked anymore by it, but I'm constantly reminded of the incredible amount of skill set that you all bring to the table. And it differs because the way that I teach, teach, teach people to write resumes has nothing to do with everything you've done in the past and everything to do with what you want to do in the, fu- in the future 
as told by what you've been able to do in the past. And so being able to see these different skills come to light depending on what it is they want to do in their next role. I look at I look at so many of my educator clients, their resumes, and I'm like, they have more experience in this than me. I and I'm happy to tell them that, like often. Right. So that that's why this question was so hard to answer, is because I like I, I don't want to say there's nothing that you can't learn on the job because there's, you know, we can always learn on the job. But as a whole, educators just, you already have the skills. So I'm just going to say that. You already have the skills. It's just learning, a lot of it's learning the language and learning some of the the, the dynamics of how, you know, learning is facilitated in a, in a corporate environment. But yeah, y'all rock, <laughs> my educators. Uh, but as far as like moving into L&D, you know, I would say, again, you know, what they need to learn on the job after transitioning, it, it's hard because educators, like I said, pretty much already have all the skills they need to be successful in the role. But if I had to pick one, what I would say, and this is in full honesty from seeing a lot of my um, my educator clients moving into these be- beautiful and amazing corporate roles, is getting acclimated to the culture of freedom and flexibility. So for many educators, y'all have been beaten down for years, decades, right? And it, it and I find that you know part of the reason why you're making the transition is to have freedom and to have flexibility. And there's one thing to want it, and there's one thing to have it, and there's one thing to then actually like get it and to experience it. And I think a lot of people, you know, think that, oh, it'll be like this like light switch. It'll just go on or off. Like, okay, leaving one bad environment, coming to this great environment. But the reality is it takes time to learn how to trust an employer again. It's like being in a toxic or a really bad relationship. I know that's an analogy a lot of people can can really you know, relate to of you don't just really if you've been in one toxic relationship, it's really hard, even if you have the best person you know, right in front of you right after that, you don't necessarily trust right away, right? That needs to be rebuilt. Um, and you need to rebuild that with your next employer. That's totally fine. I remember when I left my toxic company and I went um, and I went and I did consulting work and I was kind of working part time while I was building the overnight trainer and I was working part time as a, as a consultant and like that was one of the things that I was working through there was like really honestly learning to to trust again, to trust myself, trust my employer, to trust my skill set, all of those things. So I would say that's kind of the biggest thing to really think about after you transition. And I might do a whole podcast episode on that in, in all honesty. If that, if that would be cool, let me know. You can email me or DM me if you think that would be a good idea. Just about like life after transition, right? Gearing up for the, for the transition piece. Like you've got the job, but you know, now what? <laughs> like, how do you how do you actually you know psychologically uh, prepare for that? Uh, so let me know if you want a podcast episode on that. I'm happy happy to do that. But yeah, I definitely would say that's like the one skill, and that's really anyone who leaves a toxic environment has to learn to to trust again. All right, my friends, there are many more questions that I didn't dive into on that thread. So if you go to my LinkedIn uh, and you look at my posts, you can find that there. Uh, I hope to see all of you tonight. I think there's like already 100 and something of you registered, which is so exciting. Hope to see all of you tonight for the uh, masterclass is L&D career right for you. (laughs) Uh, I think it'll be really helpful for a lot of you just to I think a lot of you will walk out with the answer of yes, but I think there's going to be some caveats in there too, which I'm really, really excited about. So 
I look forward to seeing you all there. Again, theovernighttrainer.com slash events. If you're listening to this after October 18th, um, before the 21st, just shoot me a DM on LinkedIn or an email at hello at theovernighttrainer.com and I'll make sure to get you the replay. All right, my friends, I'll see you tonight. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If it resonated with you in any way, please let me know by subscribing, liking, and leaving a review. I'd love to hear from you on how you're using these tools as well as what you want to hear more of. So connect with me on LinkedIn at Sarah Canistra, send me a DM, or email me at hello at theovernighttrainer.com. I can't wait to hear from you. And until next week, stay learning. Thank you.